good to be together on a Wednesday night. Man, I'm excited uh, to be together. Hey, I want to tell you a, uh, a little bit about my past history. Um, think back to Mike Godswell, not now, but when I was 15 years old. At that time, I was not looking to join a church. I was not looking for a group of friends or a community. I was looking for a paycheck. Anybody remember those days? You're like, I need to buy what, video games? I'm thinking about how am I gonna put gas in a car when I finally get my driver's license? I was looking for a paycheck uh, when my friend Sarah, who sat behind me in my civics class, told me about a lifeguard position at a summer camp. I said, here's my opportunity. And it paid really well too, guys. Two months of work, $300. Come on, come on. Tax-free, tax-free, tax-free. Don't take any of that FICA out of my check. The, the WLD Ranch needed a lifeguard. I was a lifeguard looking for a job. It was a convenient way to make some cash. That was my story at the time. We all have a story, don't we? We all have a story. Uh, some of you guys have been sharing your story in small groups, doing a little history giving, a little life sharing. Can we share our story? But, but what's your story? I mean, maybe some of you guys are business or nursing or bio or engineering or art majors, theater majors in the house. I know there's two of them. Yeah, come on, come on. Yeah. Maybe part of your story is your political persuasion. Maybe you're a Democrat or a Republican, an independent Green Party. No, I didn't think so. Uh, maybe you are an extrovert, introvert. You're an Enneagram, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, or whatever, right? Maybe you're a Muslim, Buddhist, Christian, agnostic. Maybe you're from Nova. Where's Nova in the house? How about, how about 757? Little... Little uh, Central Virginia in the house? No, no, yeah, little, yeah, yeah, yeah. How about how about some Shenandoah Valley around here? Who's my who's my out of state folks? Who's my out of oh come on come on, international students, international students. Yeah 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 yeah. That's right that's right. Listen, where we come from, what we're doing, what we're hoping for. Whether it is consciously or subconsciously, our story is the lens with which we evaluate the world that we live in. Uh, as the title of our new series says, it's the story we are in. It's the story we're in. So what's your story? What do you use as a filter to understand and make sense of the world that you're living in? Another question comes to my mind when I think about what story we're living in. Where did we get this story from? What or who informs our story? Uh, when we think about it, there's so many different things that have input into our story, our families, our environment, our experiences, what we focus our time and attention on. They all contribute. So that is where we're starting tonight. Here's the big idea for tonight. It's this. Who you will be comes from what you believe. Who you will be comes from what you believe, or to say it another way, you can't become 
what you don't first believe. This is why I love our text tonight. It helps us to get to the heart of what we believe. We're going to take a look at the first chapter of Paul's letter to the Galatians. It is the start of this passionate letter to a group of friends that Paul believes are headed in the wrong direction. They were thrown off course because someone had influenced their story. It affected what they believed, and it was changing who they were becoming. I think it's going to help us to understand a little more about who we're becoming too. Before we dive in, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to focus on you tonight. We recognize tonight that there is a story that we're in. Each one of us is living a story. Help us to get a sense of what that is and help us to hear as you are calling us to step into the story that you have for us as well. God, help these words to guide us, direct us into truth, and bring goodness into our lives and the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if you have your Bibles tonight, we are in Galatians chapter 1. We're going to start Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, Paul, he's the one who wrote it, an apostle sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul dives in right away. What is Paul's story? Well, Paul puts it right out there. Paul is an apostle. Now listen, we don't hear that term too much nowadays, do we? Has anyone ever been introduced to you as an apostle? Can you imagine? My name's Mike. Apostle Mike. That doesn't really fit, does it? No, no, it doesn't. And, and, and I think, especially in this instance here, it is a very significant and specific title that Paul is taking for himself. Essentially, Paul is calling himself an agent or an official representative of God himself. But it wasn't something he just like cooked up to make his Instagram bio a little bit more spicy. He was called to this personally by Jesus. He was called to it personally by Jesus. Now, again, quite the story, right? You know, Paul's like, hey, Paul, how did you get this title of apostle? God told me, right? Has anybody ever used that whole God told me on you before? Have you ever heard that? God told me. Hey, why is it that you did that? Well, uh, God told me. <laughs> I heard from the Lord. Now listen, if we're honest, we use this a lot of times kind of when we don't want people to question our motives. It's like the ultimate Christian dunk. Why did you do that or why did you not do that? God told me. It's kind of hard to argue that, right? What do you say? No, he didn't. <laughs> but listen, that's not the way that's supposed to work. Like, we, we're able to hear God's voice individually, but it's affirmed through his word and through community. And that's not the way Paul is using this here either. He's not just like, hey, y'all, I'm an apostle. Listen to me. 
the Galatians were his friends. The Galatians knew Paul. He established these communities of faith. Every time he traveled through this region, he had spent significant time with them. They knew his story. They knew that his life had been interrupted by Jesus himself. They knew that at one time he was hunting down Christians until he had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And now he is spreading Jesus' message all around the world. You can read about it in Acts chapter 8. And it wasn't just from the stories that he told them either. They had heard the eyewitness accounts. In verse 2, it says, All the brothers and sisters with me, they verified Paul's authority. So for as much as it could be possibly proved, Paul was sent by God. He was told he is an apostle, an official representative of Jesus. But, but, but who is this God who called Paul? Well, verse 1, it says he's the one who raises the dead. Verse 3, it says he's full of grace and peace. He's the one in verse 4, so rich in mercy that he gave himself so that we could be rescued from our sins and from the evil that is so present in this world. This God is Jesus. This was Paul's story. And it's the story that the Galatians had been invited into when he visited them for the first time. And it's the story that he invites us into as well. How can we experience this God who is rich in grace and peace and mercy? This this God who Paul himself represented. Who you will be comes from what you believe. The first step is by believing that we're invited into that very same relationship with Jesus. You're invited into relationship with Jesus. And that is exactly what the Galatians did. They believed that they were invited, and they took a step in. They believed Paul's story, and they said, you know what? We're going to test this out for themselves. You can read about it in Acts chapter 13 and 14. When they put God to the test, they said, yes, we believe. They saw miracles. Their lives were changed. But Paul's reminder here in these first verses, it's not just a trip down memory lane. It's not just an opportunity to open up the scrapbook and say, look at the amazing times we had, right? Google Photos one year ago. It's not that. Paul is setting them up for a significant correction. And it starts in verse 6. It says this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said and now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Okay. Paul's a little upset. I thought Christians weren't supposed to curse. But he's certainly doing this here. Well, why why is Paul so worked up? It's because he knows who we will be comes from what we believe. The Galatians were starting to trust 
a different story, and it was moving them into a place where they were never meant to go. What was happening 2,000 years ago in modern-day Greece is still going on right now. It's still happening right here. Politicians, academics, advertisers, social media, your friend down the hall, they all have a story that they're trying to sell you. Now, of course, the Galatians weren't carrying around that influence in their pocket all day long either, right? There are many stories that um, will influence our lives But I want to look at a couple of really significant stories that are going around in our society today. The first one is probably one of the most popular ones. And in fact, it might be the theme of our world today. It's called expressive individualism. Expressive individualism. You may never hear that term again. It was a term uh, that was brought out by um, a sociologist. But Charles Taylor describes it this way. It is where each one of us has his or her own way to realizing our humanity. And it is important to find and to live out one's own as against surrendering to conformity with a model imposed on us from outside by society or the previous generation or the religious or political authority. More simply put, it's this. Do whatever feels or seems right to you. At first glance, it sounds really good. I mean, it's an opportunity to embrace your inner desires and motivations. It's an opportunity to be truly authentic. I am free to be me. Now, while being able to express ourselves is an inalienable human right, it's each one of our individual rights to do that. Ordering our lives around this has some obvious difficulties. First, it assumes that all of our inner thoughts and desires are good for us. I'm not sure that's true. My morning alarm went off today at 6 a.m. My inner thoughts and desires said, I want to stay in bed for the rest of the day. Now, it would feel really good to do that, but I'm not sure if that would be all that good for me. So my wife is wonderful, and she provides for our family some wonderful treats. One of those treats is a half-gallon tub of mint chocolate chip Blue Bell ice cream. You know what I'm saying? Look at that. Look at that. That is frozen goodness right there. It is. Now listen, when I pull that tub out, and it's fresh like that, I mean, look at that. Aren't you getting hungry? My authentic self is saying it is time to ignore that 99-gram single serving and eat the entire thing. It's delicious. It's delicious, but it is not good for me. In fact, it's made even worse the fact I am slightly lactose intolerant. Not, Not pretty, not pretty. Not pretty. But uh, these are all fun, right? I mean, we've, we, we all recognize these things. But, but what happens when we adopt this story and our inner thoughts and desires actually bring harm to others? Let me unpack this. Picture this with me. You're driving in traffic, probably somewhere on I-95 between the Belvedere exit and the I-64 split. If you know, you know. know I'm saying? I mean, you know, you know. And the person behind you is driving just a little bit too closely. 
you're getting angry. You're getting increasingly angry as maybe they're flashing their lights. Maybe they're swaying back and forth. And you want to express yourself to them and help them to understand how you're truly feeling inside. So what do you do? Tap the brake a little bit. You know what that's called? That's called road rage. Road rage. The National Highway Safe Safety Traffic and Safety Administration has reported that 66% of all traffic fatalities have been caused by aggressive driving. Our, our rage can harm people. Listen, listen, let me get your attention. Let me get your attention. The story of expressive individualism is probably most promoted in the area of sexuality. This is a huge area, but I just want to focus in on one specific part um, of how this human desire is often encouraged in our society. Um, it's through the use of pornography. Now listen, um, almost 90% of males and over 60% of females have viewed pornography. So that's the good majority of us. Uh, it is so available. It's immediate access, and it's something that can be done in private, and it, it almost tricks us to believe what is the harm in using pornography. Well, current studies show that it can be really bad. Porn use has been leaked to, linked to increasing feelings of loneliness and depression and sexual dysfunction. Billie Eilish in 2021 said, I think it really destroyed my brain. I feel incredibly devastated that I was exposed to so much porn. Pornography is also driving a $99 billion a year criminal industry. According to the National Human Trafficking Hotline, in 2020, pornography moved to the number one venue where trafficking cases were reported within the United States. Is this the story that we're meant to be in? So we try to be better. Right? I'm going to work hard, and it's so easy to be drawn into another popular story. And as we start traveling through this letter in Galatians, we're going to find that this was the trap that the Galatians were invited into as well. They were dealing with this story called legalism. Legalism, it's this idea that it says, um, I have this ability, or I will use my ability to conform to the Saturn a standard of behavior that will give me value and worth. I will use my effort, my willpower, my strength, my wisdom, my resources to prove that I am worth something. And again, this, this seems to have some appeal. Um, I had an opportunity this week to watch a YouTube video about The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. It, it delved into his daily routine. The idea is, if I follow this daily pattern, I may become just like Dwayne Johnson himself. I mean, who doesn't want to be more like The Rock? I mean, come on. But then we start diving into his daily routine. Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne Johnson wakes up at 3.30 in the morning, everybody. Some of you guys are just going to bed at 3.30 in the morning, right? Uh, he works out, he works out, listen guys, three times a day. 
three times a day. He measures out all his food, making sure that he gets every single macro correct. Then he dives in to the rest of his businesses, various family or acting projects, and goes to bed around 11 p.m., you know, maybe a little bit sleepy, because who needs more than four hours of sleep a night? Listen, if I commit to this plan, I think I'm only a few weeks away from Dwayne Johnson. Right? Come on. Come on. Right? Yes. Yes. Thank you for the encouragement. But listen, 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 listen. This is where the problem comes. It's all about me. It's all about me. If I can't find a way to meet the standard, I am a failure. And listen, guys, I am a failure at the rock standard when that 3 a.m. alarm goes off. It is not going to happen for me. But here's the other part. Even if I'm successful in meeting these standards, I still lose. Why? Tim Keller points out that legalism actually enhances the evil that is resident inside our hearts. It's because legalism motivates us through fear and through pride. Let me tell you what I mean. Fear motivates us towards legalism in this way. It says, I'll never be good enough. I'll never be accepted. I'll never be loved. I won't get to heaven if I don't meet this standard, so I need to work harder. I need to try more. I need to put in more effort because if I don't get uh, to that standard, I will always miss out. Pride talks about the standard in this way. Ugh. I will never be like any of those people who don't do fill in the blank. And so even as we move to what seems like success, we're actually allowing fear pride, or both to grow in our hearts. I'm not so sure this is the right story for us either. Paul, in verse 6, is calling us to live in the grace of Christ. To live in the grace of Christ. What, what kind of story is this? What is Paul talking about? You may have heard it before, but can I, can I remind us tonight? It's the story that says every human being on the planet was uniquely and lovingly created by God. We were meant to be in perfect community with him and with each other and in our world. But fear and pride brought damage to the perfect environment that he created. Believing that God was holding out on us and wanting to elevate our status, we rebelled against him. Our sin caused a separation between humans and God, between human community itself and with the world that we live in. And because of God's great love, but because of God's great love, the story didn't end there. He sent his son Jesus into the world to show us what relationship with God could look like. And then he took on the penalty for our sin. He took on the penalty for his sin. He gave us uh, he gave his life so that we could be invited back into his family as sons and daughters. How does this happen? It happens through grace. It happens through grace. It's an unmerited favor that God gives to each one of us. And what is our response to that? He invites us to receive what he has. 
We open up our hands. We say yes to Jesus. And then we live in it. It's that relational connection that we have been given to by what Christ has done for us on the cross and being raised from the dead. That little by little, bit by bit, transforms us into who we were always meant to be. So what about this story? What about this story? What happens if we embrace this? Well, if we embrace it, we're saying a strong statement that we can't do this life on our own. We don't have what it takes to be perfect. I don't know about you guys, but that's me. I don't have what it takes to be perfect. If we embrace this story, we recognize that we have a need for forgiveness from God and from the times that we've hurt others with our thoughts and with our actions. That's me too. I desperately need his forgiveness. If we step in this story, it's taking a posture of humility, saying that if we allow, that we will allow Jesus' loving sacrifice to determine the value of our lives. Listen, he stopped at nothing to rescue each one of us. It's a belief that says he loves all the world and he loves me too. Man, I so want to understand the love of God better. Who we will, who will we be, who we will be comes from what we believe. Who we will be comes from what we believe. This gospel isn't good news just because of its report of what God has done for us. It's good news because of the life it points us to as well. I started the message talking about my desire for a summer paycheck. I joined the WLD uh, Ranch, WLD Christian Ranch, so I could make that whopping paycheck of $300. But God had so much more in store for me that summer. Before I left for camp, I had a friend of mine say to me, hey, they're, they're Jesus people out there. They're going to get you. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. It is not going to affect me. Boy, was I so wrong. I tried everything I could to stay separate from developing relationships with this group of crazy Christians. But the staff made it impossible. They kept inviting me into their lives and pointing me closer towards Jesus. After about a week with them, I realized that their story was so much better than the one that I was in. I gave my life to Jesus that summer. It was the most important decision that I ever made. Listen, guys, it facilitated healing and transformation that has impacted every single aspect of my life. Yeah, I made $300, but I stepped into a story that has filled me and others around me with joy. What about you? What story are you in? Who we will be comes from what we believe. What are you believing to be true? What are you believing to be true? What's important about understanding, about stepping into the story that Jesus has for us, it's not a one-time thing. Some of you are saying, you're like, oh man, this is old stuff. I've stepped into this a long time ago. I prayed a prayer when I was four years old, or I prayed a prayer a couple years ago, I prayed a prayer last week. 
But we need to understand is that these stories that I described and so many others are impacting our lives on a moment-to-moment basis. Like I said, we carry around the influence with us all the time. And it's all temptations, just like the Galatians, to step into a story that was never designed for us to live in. And so tonight, I want to encourage you, are you in the story that Jesus has invited you to be in? Or are you following a different story? And if you are following a different story, do you want it? Right. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you, God, for this invitation. It's an invitation to stop and ask the question, where am I going? And not only where am I going, but what will what impact will that make on those around me and the world that I live in? Lord, I thank you for the invitation that you've given through Paul for us to step into a transformational story. God, will you call us with your love to take that step that we need to take? and to experience all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I want to give us an opportunity to respond. Um, And um, just as you're thinking and you're processing, some of you are like, you know what? This sounds like a really good story. And and I think I want to give it a shot. Um, It's not something that you... Um, experience in the sense of, say, like, uh, I've got to give all of my possessions away. It is just saying, I choose today to open up my life to allow God to impact my story. Some of you are like, yeah, I want to do that. Maybe it's your first time. If that's you today, you're saying, you know what, I I, want to give Jesus a shot in my life. And that's kind of what I did um, when I was 15 years old. I was like, you know what, Jesus, I don't understand it all. But I know that this story that I'm living in right now is not the one that I want to stay in. And so I'm giving you access into my life. If that's you today, you're saying, I want to give Jesus access to my life. Let's just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Yeah. I want to give him access to my life. You can do it. This is an encouraging community. You don't have to worry about people looking around. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else want to do that? Yeah, awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. Some of you are like, man, I I hear this story, and I believe this story to be true. But I also know that I have been influenced by other stories, and it's pulling me away from trusting in Jesus. And you say, I need the grace and the strength of the Holy Spirit right now to help me to base my life on this story that Jesus has invited me into. If that's you today, I want to pray for you too. I'm raising my hand. I need Jesus here. I need Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Come on, come on. Hey, we're going to respond through uh, a song today. Um, And so I'd love to have a couple of the staff team just to come come on up. If you would like someone to pray for you, can I... Can I explain what happens here um, up in the front? Um, it's, it's not magical, um, but it's transformational. 
It's saying that I can't live this life on my own, and I need help um, to be able to allow the promises of God to be real in this moment and to be able to walk out those promises in a day-to-day situation. Um, You know, there's something significant about not holding in our struggles any longer and to share them with someone else. And man, what a relief it is to know when someone else is lifting up your name to the Father and saying, you know what, I'm going to bombard heaven and believe for God to bring about his purposes in your life. Um, I had a friend of mine once say that at the altar is where we're altered. This is where it, it begins. This is where it begins. And so maybe you have a significant need in your life and you want prayer. We, we want to invite you to do that. Um, maybe you're just like, I don't know, I, I just would like to experience more of the love of God. That's great too. We want to pray for you. And so if that's you today, as we stand up today to respond to him and as we sing uh, this song, I just want to encourage you, come forward and re- receive prayer. We would love to allow God's promises to be revealed in your life as we pray for you. So let's respond to him in song.